0: Hello, I'm Rob Thomas with Club and Resort Business, and welcome to another episode of Club and Resort Talks. Uh, today's episode is sponsored by KE Camps. KE Camps provides the highest quality in children's summer camps for, at country clubs. The uh, unique setup at KE Camps offers children opportunities to experience a very uh, variety of dynamic and innovative programs, all customized to the particular needs of the club. KE Camps is dedicated to creating a family-friendly and inclusive atmosphere at each and every partner club. Uh, They strongly believe in the accomplishment accomplished by providing a joyful camp experience for each and every camper. Learn more at kecamps.com. With that, uh, let's throw it over to Phil Karen, our senior editor. Phil, how's it going? I'm doing well, Rob. How are you? terrific terrific hey what do we got going on the news busy busy uh last few days obviously coming off the holiday um what's happening in the news on club resort business.com well
1: we do we hope all our listeners and viewers have enjoyed the holiday season so far here i know i have um one thing actually i guess in the spirit of that a little bit uh, i thought this was an interesting story that we saw last week uh cedar crest country club in quincy illinois um had some difficulty with one of their irrigation ponds. I guess the summer conditions, dry conditions you have with that weather uh, left that pond running low. And a neighbor actually offered a solution. A gentleman named Paul Mast uh, told the club he would see if there was a way he could help. He actually took action himself. He hired a contractor to cut an excavation from a three acre pond that was on his property um, and to help then replenish a lake on the fourth fairway at the club. So help them out with their pond. Um, And he also explained, Paul Mass explained, he's not a member of Cedar Crest, but he still wanted to make sure that Cedar Crest Country Club could keep providing a place for locals, uh, golfers to go and and enjoy playing golf. He said the club does great stuff for the community. Uh, He said they keep their rates at a level that lets blue collar folks come out and use the course. So I thought that was, excuse me, cool story. Not something we see very often, Spirit of giving sort of neighbor, uh, helped out the club with their uh, irrigation pond and uh, kind of fitting for our holiday season here, Rob.
0: Yeah. Terrific story. I guess uh, he and his wife uh, also, I don't know if this was at the end of the article, uh, donated some uh, money for the city to, um, to to buy and train a German shepherd uh, canine unit for the police department. Uh, so they're doing a lot giving back to the community. Uh, just another story. And it's fantastic hearing people, um, doing something kind of being selfless, I guess, you know, it's not benefiting him. Uh, You and I were talking the guys like 90 years old. He's not out there playing golf every day, uh, Mm -hmm. but he loves his community. He uh, likes what the the club is doing for their members and uh, the community and terrific. Love hearing those stories.
1: Yeah, I really do. As he saw a need and also saw a way that he could help out. He had, you know, with his own property, he was going to be able to do something to help them out and went ahead with it. Great to see for sure. Uh, another story um, we've talked a lot in the past about new entry points to the game of golf that are coming up. We're seeing more and more unique and different ways. And of course, one of the ones that has become common over the last few years is Top Golf. And Top Golf last week announced they were breaking ground on another venue, this time in Greensboro, North Carolina. It's going to open in late 2024. Uh, 72 outdoor climate control hitting bays over two levels they um, will have as it, the, people who are familiar with top golf know it's going to have the lounge type furniture also high top tables where groups can watch the other players you're going to have the top tracer technology to trace the golf ball's flight path distance other metrics and also one thing too i wanted to mention about top golf this of course this top golf in greensboro rob will have a full service restaurant manned by executive chefs, also music and year-round family-friendly programming. But I was thinking about that as we were coming on. You know, I've been we've been in the top golf that's just outside of Cleveland, and then there's a big shots golf down the road from me here outside of Akron, or actually that's in Akron, um, which is actually now going to become a top golf in 2024. One common theme with these places, too, is that we don't talk about enough, I feel like, is they have excellent excellent food and beverage offerings and service and there's no doubt there's something about that that's being added to it uh it isn't just about offering golf to people who either have never played or who play a lot somewhere in between you're offering sort of an experience there i mean i i've been to both of those facilities that i just mentioned the food and beverage to me there is good enough to where i would take my wife out there for an evening and have a meal there. Now, if we if we do the golf too, that's great. If not, and that's the thing, I think they're trying to offer a very well-rounded experience for people uh, to bring them to the game of golf, but also just to offer something, um, something it just can be an evening to enjoy, uh, especially here during the holiday season.
0: Yeah, you know, um, food and beverage is such a big part of the club. I was wondering mm-hmm. if uh, if other clubs would consider Uh, opening up their practice facilities, their driving range for um, something along that line to have have events, to have, um, you know, uh, corporate events, whether it's, uh, you know, meetings or whatever the case may be. At their driving range, put food and beverage out there, uh, you know, set up a bar, uh, a grill, people hitting golf balls, playing music, you know, under the lights. Uh, We had a guy, uh, we had on the podcast, talking about how they've done just that uh, kind of uh, made entertainment on their driving range. So, um, uh, it's a big deal. Uh, top golf is fantastic. It's growing. Uh, it's bringing a lot more people into the game. Uh, let's hope it translates and gets them from, you know, facilities like that over to the golf course, become members and uh, future dues paying members and, and, uh, you know, bring more money into the game and keep infusing cash.
1: Absolutely. I like your idea, Rob. I think that would be interesting to see if clubs would, uh, try to do that uh offer their practice facilities their driving ranges to folks to and and have it be sort of an evening that would be akin to being in a place like top golf and and try it out like that again with the idea of hopefully growing membership over time
0: yeah driving ranges are usually set aside you know they're not they're not front and center because they're not pretty they're not you know the golf course uh, they're usually kind of tucked away. So it's not easy to get food and beverage out there. You know, just if somebody wants to call up, hey, can you know send me a burger and fries, a couple beers. Uh, but if you're, if you're setting up for that particular occasion, I think it's uh, certainly uh, manageable. Um, you know, they have those mobile carts. We have the Fire Within is, uh, is a big sponsor here. Uh, mm-hmm. Set up, have some wood-fired pizzas going out there. You know, um, some some draft beer, uh, making some transfusions, and, and let's make a night of it, you know.
1: Right, absolutely. Well, you know, if anybody's listen, any club GMs are listening and have have either done that in the past or are thinking about doing it, uh, feel free to drop me a line, pkaren at wtwhmedia.com. And we'll do it. Well, yeah, absolutely. See what folks have to say about it. It'd be interesting to hear what they have to say. Uh, another story uh, recently, Tanglewood National Golf Club in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, Uh, has been sold to new owners. And I guess it's been on the market for almost a year. Uh, They're now owned by a group led by Scott Pollock, who also lives in Chagrin Falls. And uh, he's taking over from Mark Tiefel and Warren Wolfson. Uh, Those two gentlemen had owned the club for about 15 years and are planning to retire now. Also among the new owners is Matthew Creech, uh, along with his wife, Jennifer. Uh, They own and operate the Golf Dome. Which is a year-round practice facility in Chagrin Falls, and they're also just planning to um, plan a lot of big projects and investments uh, before the 2024 season starts. I was thinking, Rob, too. And I was ha- reading about it. It's nice to see that uh, there is a new owner now moving in after it was on the market for a long time. It's first open. Tanglewood was first opened in 1967. Was a private club most of its life. Uh, became a public course in 2009, but it has some history there too. They hosted a uh, tournament such as the 1972 Cleveland open Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer were both there playing in that. Um, it's also home to the banquet facilities and a grand ballroom with a, that can accommodate about 200 people. So great to see that it will be under new ownership, getting some new investment put into it. Uh, we've seen a lot of changes in ownership with, with courses and facilities. And it's good to see that this one uh, has a new owner and, and things are moving forward with that.
0: Hey, yeah. Matt Creech is a friend of mine, a uh, former, former director of golf at Mayfield Sandridge. Uh, he's done fantastic things at the golf dome, including um, I mean, they, they deflated the dome, fixed it all up, put track man in there uh, outside the dome. There's a, a miniature golf course. There's um, baseball fields. Uh, so doing a lot for the community there at Chagrida falls. And his wife, Jen, I believe is still the golf head golf pro at, um, the country club in Pepper Pike, Ohio. And if I'm not mistaken, the girls golf coach at Hawken, my uh, kid's school. So um, big, big in the community, the creatures. Uh, looking forward to get out of Tanglewood this year. I know they have big plans out there to improve uh, and keep bringing things up, up, up. So uh, congratulations and, uh, and great news.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rob, I should mention now, too, that I recently had a conversation uh, with the Country Club at Buffalo, uh, two leaders out there. Actually, speaking of Country Club and Pepper Pike, one of the participating teams in the Country Club Buffalo's event uh, was the, the Country Club there in Pepper Pike, Ohio. The Country Club Buffalo, though, in Williamsville, North New York, uh, hosted its second annual Sporting Clays Invitational in early November. Uh, this year, they had seven teams. Uh, besides their own team, they also had uh, – Longview Club and Golf Course in Verona, Pennsylvania. As I just mentioned, the Country Club in Pepper Pike, Ohio. Medina, a Country Club in Medina, Illinois. Uh, the Country Club, this one this time in Brookline, Massachusetts. Country Club of Rochester, New York. And uh, Kirtland Country Club in Willoughby, Ohio. So, actually, a couple of representatives from Ohio. Uh, and this was their second shoot sporting Clays invitational. Had a team competition and an individual competition. Uh, participants, in addition to having the, the shooting competition, they also had an opportunity to enjoy great meals from the club's chef, Joe Piazza. Also played golf on the club's Donald Ross Design Golf Course. course itself was also upgraded uh, by Robert Trent Jones in the 1950s. So I recently had a chance to talk with Kevin Clark, who was the chair of the event and also the uh, Country Club Buffalo's team captain. And Nick Markle, who's the general manager at the club. Um, And they both shared their thoughts on how everything went with the event. Kevin shared thoughts on specifics with the competition. Nick talked more about uh, what happened among sort of behind the scenes and how he coordinated his staff uh, to welcome in uh, about 40 or 50 people uh, for the competition. Everything went well. And they're looking forward to doing this again in 2024.
0: All right, fantastic. Hey, let's get to that video. And after the video, please, everybody go to club and com to uh, read more about the stories we talked about. Uh, Country Club of Buffalo is on there a number of times. Uh, take care, stay well, and have a great day. Welcome to
1: Club and Resort Talks. I'm Phil Karen, Senior Editor with Club and Resort Business. Well, the Country Club of Buffalo hosted its second annual Sporting Clays Invitational on November 3rd and 4th of this year. And we recently posted a recap story about the event on our website at clubandresortbusiness.com. Joining us today on Club and Resort Talks to talk about the event are Kevin Clark, who chaired the event and served as captain of the Country Club of Buffalo Sporting Clays team, and Nick Markle, general manager at the Country Club of Buffalo. Kevin and Nick, welcome to Club and Resort Talks. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having us.
2: Thanks for your time.
1: Oh, you're welcome. Now, I know this is the second year for the event. Tell us a little bit about how the event, for, for folks who weren't familiar with the event uh, coming into this, tell us about the event, how it came about, and why your club decided to host it.
3: Well, we we have a, a very history, history of sporting clays here in Buffalo, uh, almost 100 years, and we, we, we have five very unique uh, fields and a very strong, robust Uh, program with many of the members participating and we've had other clubs come in uh, and you know look at our and participate in our facilities and they said hey we'd love it you know to come back so you know working with Nick and some of the folks here I said you know let's see if we can put together an event on the golf side here we have a a similar event called the League of the Lower Lakes Uh, and it's sort of framed after that.
1: Okay very good. Very good. And I know last year there were, I think you had teams from four different clubs this year. I know that number expanded to six. Uh, tell us about the, I guess all the participating teams, but particularly the
3: new ones and how those new ones were were brought into the competition. Well, you know, as we spoke in the past, we had two or three stops because of COVID and, and Nick and his folks were great to continue to allow us to pursue this tournament. So we did have three visiting teams, uh, Longview, uh, Brookline, and Country Club of Rochester come in for the first event. And the first event was so successful, people wanted the first right refusal, which said, we, want, we get an invitation coming back, which of course we honored. Uh, and the new clubs, which we doubled, which was Pepper Pike in Cleveland, Kirkland, the Cleveland area, and of course Medina, who wound up winning the event. At the end of this event, everybody, uh, asked for their first right of refusal. So now we have seven teams which will come back in the first week of November of twenty four uh, to compete again for for the uh, the honor to win the trophy.
1: Okay, very good. I, talk a little I know in addition to the expansion of the field, were any other parts of the competition changed this year from this from last year to this year? Well, I,
3: yeah, we we had a very robust uh, practice of time because many of the uh, folks had not shot here before and our brush walk is we think the last one in the US It is so complex and so challenging we felt it unfair to bring clubs in and have them go right to competition so we dedicated some time for the people that hadn't shot that on Thursday afternoon same thing with our five stand Uh, so yes uh, we we made some changes other than uh, you know doubling the size of the field. We also went uh, from a 500 bird shoot team to a thousand bird shoot, so it was quite it was quite challenging, but uh, it, it it turned out extraordinarily well.
1: And 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 I guess kind of leading into that, Kevin, then can you talk a little bit about um, what happens on each day of the of the competition? I know you referenced already that the practice round, but maybe start with that and then kind of go through the uh, couple days that happen
3: there at the Country Club of Buffalo? Well, the, the scheduling is quite complex. Um, so we, all the teams are scheduled for the, for the, uh, the individual events so that we can get everybody through. And um, so the first day, each team is going to shoot uh, four events, 50 birds per shooter. Uh, and in some teams did take the opportunity to bring six players versus five. Um, So from that standpoint, they know before that when they come in, what they're going to shoot. And some of the teams actually asked us what ammo we're going to use. And they bought the ammo in the summer uh, and shot that ammo all year, which I thought was quite interesting. Uh, But a large tent. uh, We had lots of volunteers. We have safety officers on each of the fields, which is probably unique. These people are very well trained. I mean, Nick and his team did an extraordinary job. Our our facilities, are our brushwalk is located about, a, I don't know, a thousand yards from our primary fields. We had our valets taking guys up and down. Uh, so, uh, it, you know, it, it was sort of a ballet of uh, sporting clays.
1: Okay, very good. Uh, and it, it, as I understand it, um, with the competition, there's also a, a chance for the visiting teams to kind of experience uh, the rest of the facilities as well. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah,
2: so uh, when the teams arrived early uh, for their practice rounds, either the night before the practice rounds or day of, uh, they were able to, to use our uh, food and beverage facilities, come in and have some uh, dinner. And then uh, we also opened up uh, golf access. Uh, we were very fortunate to have a beautiful weekend. Uh, that weekend so uh, we opened up golf access either prior to or, or after the uh, the invitational so they got to enjoy our, our Donald Ross golf course as well what was
1: and Nick on that just curious what was the feedback from uh, visitors on on playing the golf course what, what were their thoughts on it
2: oh well, everyone that played enjoyed it it's a it's a beautiful course we're, we're blessed to have and the great team that takes beautiful care of it so um very very uh proud you know that we moved up on the golf week uh rankings this year to number 74 of the classic top 100 so uh very proud of our golf course and and the condition we keep it in and and very happy to share it with our with our friends coming in for the invitational
1: and it sounds uh, like oh go ahead kevin well, one of the
3: things that you know our, our new good friend and captain of the medina team the vistas that they, you know, especially over our 18th hole, it looks over our, from our back of our uh, our terrace dining room, looks over the 18th hole and our brush walk. And it is a magn- and a, a spectacular rock garden, a spectacular uh, visual. And, and we have several holes out there that uh, have been featured as well. Our par threes have been featured as some of the best in the country. So the guys loved it. And you never know, the first week in November in, in Buffalo, could have been different, but it, it, the only thing the guys complained about it was too sunny in the morning. But being from Buffalo, nobody ever complains about being too sunny.
1: <laughs> That's funny. A moment ago, I was about to say it sounds like so far these first these two years of the competition, the the weather gods have, have smiled on on you guys out there in Buffalo in the Buffalo area, right? <laughs> unbelievable. Yes, unbelievable. Yes. Very lucky. Uh, and then Nick, can you talk a little bit about from your standpoint as general manager of the club? a little bit, Kevin touched on a little bit, but maybe have you expand on it a little bit of what's happening behind the scenes uh, with your employees uh, as this event's being carried out through those three days.
2: Sure. Yeah. You know, um, we're always thrilled. uh, We think we have something pretty special here at the the country club of Buffalo. We're always thrilled to to share uh, our brand of service with, with people visiting from other clubs. Um, You know, on the operational side, Um, Our our agronomy team, which is usually uh, right around 40 during peak season in the summertime, uh, shrinks in the off season to uh, nine or 10. Uh, All of them are, as Mr. Clark was referring to, um, NRA um, certified safety officers. Uh, So they also double as our our range officers during the the shooting season. So uh, led by our our superintendent, Anthony Tosh, uh, you know, they really took uh, charge of the entire operation down at the the shooting lodge. Uh, And then, you know, uh, we're very fortunate to have a, a very talented events uh, team and food and beverage team. So uh, our events coordinator thought of every little detail possible, um, including, you know, Mr. Clark was talking about having valets uh, run people between fields and uh, making sure that we have people staffed appropriately. Uh, and then, obviously, our, our culinary team, uh, Chef Joe Piazza, was was thrilled to to show off a little bit and uh, produce some some wonderful lunches and and just a beautiful champions dinner. So, um, you know, not anything outside of the ordinary of what we normally would do, which is uh, you know take care of every little detail and provide world class service.
1: And just, uh, I'll just, add one, I'll just add
2: one thing, uh, you
3: know, I don't want to embarrass Nick, but his people, every detail. I mean, and they loved it. I mean, they loved the challenge. I mean, there was not one person in this club that didn't know these people were coming in. And from the time they came in until the time they left, uh, they were taken, they had extraordinary care. And at our champion's dinner, every one of the clubs got up and expressed that. So I, I, I think uh, Nick, to a certain point, has understated that he does that every day. But uh, so good good news to each of the folks that, uh, that support it. And it was a lot. Well, good. Excellent. That's great to hear.
1: And I was going to ask then it, I kind of the follow up with the, this train of thought. So Nick, I know we have a, we have a lot of other general managers at country clubs listening to our program, watching our program with that in mind, Nick, I just want to ask you, and I know you kind of touched on some of that already, but just from your perspective as general manager, maybe talk a little bit about some of the challenges you challenges you face organizing an event like this. And and talk about a little bit of how you tackle those challenges with your staff.
2: Sure. So um, I, I think a lot of the the, the challenge on the uh, organizational side, you know, uh, setting the event up uh, is just getting in contact with everybody. Um, you know, it tends to be uh, especially at at clubs. Uh, shooting programs especially seem to be led by volunteer leaders which uh, Mr. Clark were, we're so blessed to have uh, really took took command of that and between myself and the admin staff uh, you know reaching out to the other clubs making sure that we get the names um, their billing information their down payments etc um, you know it the first two years is uh, we've, we've uh, been setting up the, the model. I think going forward, it'll be a lot, whole lot easier, especially now that the other clubs are, um, you know, more familiar with the process and, and the tournament. Um, and then also, you know, from a, from a marketing standpoint, I think just getting people on board with understanding what a special and unique event it is. And, and, you know, great to see the field expand this year and, uh, you know, we hope to expand again next year uh, to some qualified, you know, high-level clubs that, that we'd love to, to host. So um, from an organizational standpoint, that, that's probably the biggest challenge is just getting all our ducks in a row. And, you know, as with any new event, just launching it and uh, figuring out, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So figuring out those, those little holes in the process uh, along the way has, you know, been, been fun. But uh, I think we're, we're prepared to, to make it even bigger and better next year.
1: Absolutely. Great. Kevin, I, I guess, really, I was thinking, too, it. probably should turn that same question to you as somebody, as a member of the club and somebody who's volunteered to chair this event, kind of the same question, but from your, you know, from your perspective, what are the challenges you're facing as uh, organizing this event and how you're, how do you tackle those?
3: Well, after as Nick said, after the first event, we did a pretty comprehensive postmortem on what we could do to make it better. And we did make some, some changes, but there is an enormous amount of details. Uh, for example, local hotels, getting people back and forth to the hotels, gun safety, gun storage. Uh, you know, uh, in certain parts, you know, uh, we shot 12,000 rounds, so we had to have uh, ammo. Certain, all the machines had to be redone. I mean, not redone, made sure they were going to work and prepped and PM'd. Uh, this year, we, with the, we we went to a huge tent, not knowing what the weather was going to be. And that worked out extraordinarily well. Um, and then the rooms. Are, <laughs> the clubs were competing for the six rooms. We have beautiful rooms we have here. So some of the clubs will come in in the winter. We're, we're encouraging them to come in and shoot. And, and one of the teams came in. They said, uh, we're in the tournament. We want all the rooms. And, and so, the, uh, again, uh, but it really takes – A lot of people here, Uh, Nick's administrative support was extraordinarily important for me as we, you know, uh, uh, got everything lined up. Uh, Chris Randall, who was my co-chair, unfortunately had a business issue and he could not be here for this tournament, but he was very intimately involved in the the scheduling, which was quite robust when you're moving 40 or 50 people and they all need to move together, so to say, to keep on schedule. So it, it, there's a lot that goes on, and we're gonna we're gonna do a postmortem probably in early February. Get get some changes that we want to make out to the clubs, confirm the dates, and and, and hopefully uh, know if we have we I know we have one additional club that's applied, and we have other people that are asking about the details. Hopefully go to ten. And if we, if we get the right component, maybe look to go to 12. But I think once we get to 12, we're sort of hamstringed beyond that.
1: And, and I guess actually to follow up on that point, I know you um, made it clear you're planning to have the event again next year. And is the goal is – do you have a goal – you had six teams in the, in the event this year. How many – Seven teams. Six we had six visiting teams in Buffalo, seven. I'm sorry. We have, but I, I'm sorry. I missed, but that's right. You had six visiting teams and with Buffalo's own team, country of Buffalo, Buffalo's own team, you had seven. Um, how many teams are you hoping to then have in 2024? What's the, the goal there? I, I think we'll have
3: 10. Mm-hmm. And if, if we get the right component of teams, we might try to push to 12, but I think once we get to 12, we're done. Cause mm-hmm. we just, we want to keep it a, a sort of a two day tournament. We don't want to expand it beyond that right right if you expand
1: beyond that you you you're then having to add on more days to to host folks yeah. there at the club yeah. right it's a yeah. whole logistical thing then right sure sure okay very good well uh, nick and kevin if if club leaders are watching this or listening to this um and they're interested in sending a team to the event uh, how how would
3: they go about reaching out to you gentlemen
1: uh, I think reach
3: reaching out to Nick and Nick can surely uh, give my coordinates if is more details i need, but the probably the primary contact you okay with that Nick? absolutely Nick Nick would be the primary contact Okay
1: very good so reach out to to Nick Markle there at uh, Country Club of Buffalo That's right
2: all all my information is listed on CMAA website so um, anyone can can find it there mm-hmm. uh, or on our on our uh, www.ccofbuffalo.org Okay, very good. Very
1: good. We'll put that up here, too, uh, uh, as as we air this podcast. Well, Nick and Kevin, congratulations on the event. Uh, looks like went extremely well, uh, and I certainly wish you, both of you, the best of luck uh, going forward with the event and, and with everything else happening at the Country Club of Buffalo as we head into uh, 2024.
3: Thank you, Phil. Thanks for your time. You've been a great advocate and many people have learned about the event through through your articles so we're, we appreciate your support absolutely thank, thank you
2: phil and happy holidays yeah happy yes. holidays
1: happy holidays to both of you as well thank you for that i appreciate it and uh, i just want to let everybody else know listening today watching today remind them that you can see other episodes of club and resort talks by visiting club and resort uh, until then take care stay well
2: and happy holidays